Hey there, Wolfpack fans. It's me again, Kenton Gibbs, bringing you another episode of Locked On Wolfpack. And folks, on today's episode of Locked On Wolfpack, we have got to talk about our men's and women's basketball team and how they performed this weekend. We had our men's team take a 80-69 to loss in Chapel Hill. We'll talk about some of the things that affected it, some of the things possibly being out of NC State's control, and we'll talk about the victory that our women took in the Yum Center against Louisville because I'm going to tell you something, that game meant a lot for that team to win 63-51 after a stellar fourth quarter. But we're going to tell you exactly how that fourth quarter went NC State's way and we got the job done. And when I say we, you know I'm saying we because my main man, Grayson Boone, is back in the building helping me get the job done. And when I talk about jobs, I've got to tell you all that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Talk to the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on college. That's LinkedInJobs.com. Apologies. Slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. So, folks, stick around as we talk about both of those games and more on today's episode of Locked On Wolfpack. You are Locked On Wolfpack. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Grayson, how you doing, my man? Kenton, what's going on? Uh, a little too much light blue this past week, but uh, I guess it is what it is. How are you doing? You know, there's there's always too much light blue in our lives. I think it's a color that none of us ever need anything of. But with that being said, I'm I'm doing as good as to be expected, man. I'm I'm doing uh, as good as could be expected. Now, let me ask you this, Grayson. In looking back at this weekend, we saw some ups, we saw some downs, some things that I feel like it's going to get a little emotional today. I feel like it's going to get a little riled up today. I feel like I, there's a possibility of that happening. Are you prepared to get into these games with? Oh, I'm ready. Let's get to it. Now, let's not lose our clean rating now. We're we trying to keep our clean rating on YouTube and, and all our, our podcast platforms that we're playing on. But the 80-69 to 69 loss, I want to talk about first the things that were in NC State's control that did not uh, necessarily go well in Chapel Hill. Because when I look at this team, I say to myself, you know, this was a game that was winnable, that we should have won, but that we did not come away with. And, you know, very disappointing to see. And, and it's it was a it was a it was a tough outing, uh, especially seeing as how we are. We were in the midst of a winning streak before this game and then to see um, us take a loss here against our rivals. But the the thing that I want to talk about, the two things that I want to talk about more than anything else is, number one, we were decimated on the boards. I talked about on Locked on ACC um, that not stopping Armando Baycott, because I don't think. I mean, the man's been a, been in college for 12 years. He's he's literally a man amongst boys per se. He should he should uh, always be considered to be a main factor of the the engine that drives um, the boys in baby blue. So I said not stopping them, but containing them was important, and that seemingly didn't happen. I mean, they allowed 23 and 18 to the young man, and that was a big part of um, you know where that came from. He had three-fourths as many rebounds as NC State's entire team. We only had 24 on the night to their 42. And the next thing 
after we saw Tequavian go down, one of the things I talked about with Keith Austin reared his ugly head in that we did not have plays committed to memory that could get guys easy buckets. And when you rely on ISO ball and one of your best isolation players is out, your offense is going to slow down to a crawl a little bit. And that's seemingly what happened here. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a lot to like in the first half. Uh, it definitely felt like we had a good chance to come away with the W uh, just based on what we did see with the runs we were making. We were keeping up with the boards in the first half. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it took it away from us later on. But uh, I thought we finished the first half strong. Casey Morcel hit a couple big threes uh, to keep us keep us right there, neck and neck. Uh, and then, I mean, you talk about the wind coming out of the sails when uh, Baby T went down. That was that was tough. Thankfully, we're talking here on Monday, and he is okay. Um, you know, after you see something like that, it really it's it's just a game at that point. There's bigger things to to be worried about. But thankfully, he is good. Uh, and unfortunately, there was a game still being played uh, after he departed. Uh, tough sailing for us from there. But we did get crushed on the boards. Um, you know, it's always going to be tough going into Chapel Hill to play. As much as they love to say we're not rivals, they always get up for us. That's undeniable. But, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of whistles or maybe lack thereof. Um, very frustrating to kind of go in knowing – the kind of basketball that UNC is going to want to play, they're going to want to get to the foul line a lot. They're going to feed Baycott. They're going to try and bully you inside. Second half, they kind of just did whatever they wanted to. So uh, frustrating to say the least. However, it's not – I wouldn't say it's a crucial loss. I mean, it, it sucks. You always want to beat them. But uh, there, there's some big games coming down the road. We're still going to see them again. Uh, they got to come to our house here in February. So hopefully we'll be prepared for them when that comes around. You know, I, I think it's interesting you talked about the whistles there. And I, I, we talked about the things that obviously NC State needs to do better, right? The boards need to be improved. The ability to um, the ability to kind of find a way to generate rebounds, rebound as a team to, you know, make up for the fact that you've got some injuries in your front court and all that needs to happen. Absolutely. Sure. And even beyond that, again, there need to be some sets for guys to get them in the spots they like. Absolutely, sure. But the whistles, very, very interesting, very peculiar. Uh, pe- peculiar. The whistles that were were not called there because, you know, everybody looks at this game and, and are, there are a lot of people saying, well, NC State is one of the worst teams in the conference in terms of um, fouling and our fouls drawn to fouls that we – surrender ratio and I said that that's that is a a prime example of when I tell people all the time numbers without context will always equal a lie because yes NC State is technically the worst team in the ACC in terms of foul differential that differential is we foul our opponents one more time than they foul us per game that's the differential one foul that is the worst in the conference sure yes it is one foul it is we are looking at a a free throw, uh, a chasm of free throws that a one team is shooting three times more than the other. We're looking at a situation where there was forcible contact to a player's head or neck area. That player was taken out on a stretcher, and there had to be a review as to whether or not it was a flagrant two. I. There are, again, people love saying the NC State folks are black helicopter people. And I've had games in the past where other people have said, oh, the refereeing had a big deal to do with it. And me personally, I'm like, hey, you can't blame the rest for that. There were too many things that we did for it. 
But this game in particular, this game in particular, you look at that game and you talk about Armando Baycott being, um, you know, the, a, a force down low as he is. No, you know, that, hey, he did. He did 20 and 18. That's always going to be a tough thing to get over. But then you look at the fact that he wasn't the leading scorer for that team. It was R.J. Davis. And you say to yourself, well, wait a minute. R.J. Davis had 26 points while only hitting eight shots? How did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. He shot more free throws by himself than NC State's entire team. Now, I don't know about y'all. I don't know. I, I'm a, a host of Locked On ACC. I'm, I'm a full-time co-host. So I've got to watch all of ACC basketball, including the boys in Maplewood. I have never seen R.J. Davis be aggressive enough to go to the line seven times, eight times in one game. I have never seen that. Never. And I don't think that it was called for in this game. But I will say a lot of NC State's fouls I did think were fouls. However, you can't call those fouls on NC State and then allow for an absolute hatchet job at the other end where it's like, hey, if 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 you even if you are hitting the floor hard, that's on you. Like, I don't know. What you want me to do here? It, to me, that's just a very embarrassing showing by the officials. And it's one of those things that's like to say that it, it hurts the integrity of the game is an understatement. And let's just be glad that this wasn't a, a a huge game in terms of like the Battle of the Blues or something like that. In that at that point, at that point, if this is a nationally televised game, if this is a, a game in March Madness or something like that, and it's called like this, I mean, how do you as a fan look at that and say, Oh, yeah, this seems right. This seems legit. Yeah, I mean, as a fan, naturally, you're going to you're gonna watch the game. You see the reactions from people on Twitter. You look at the, the, the humongous gap of free throw attempts. It's I try my absolute best not to just, you know, throw the kitchen sink. Ah, well, officials took it out of our hands. I try so hard not to do that. In a game like this, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, to, to watch Jarkel several times driving the paint just get absolutely obliterated to no whistle. And mm-hmm. just, like, the cheapest ticky-tack foul on the other end, it just, I mean, it's it's hard to stomach that when you, you you watch the first half and you really do feel like, we could do this. Like, we're, we're running with them. We look great. We look like we have a great idea of what we're trying to do in this ballgame. And then it just gets out of hand. And it's one thing if you're throwing the ball around and you're just missing shots. We outshot UNC percentage wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, not even good. And and here's the most interesting thing about this to me: the block totals to me are what really tell you that there's this this wild chasm in free throws is nonsensical. Because normally, when you see a team shooting a higher percentage but they have more, way more fouls than the other team. That other team is just getting clean blocks. They're getting a lot of clean blocks where it's like, hey, what do you want them to do? They cannot call it if you're putting it in the air and it's getting sent to the sixth row. They had two blocks on the night. And again, if we're talking about how NC State is one of the worst teams in terms of fouls in the conference, that again, we are negative one on average. We were negative 11 here. This is, we were 10, uh, actually 11 times worse than what we normally are in this game. Well, technically is 1.1. So we were 10 times worse than what we are in, in our average game here. 
and you're not going to tell me that this is that this uh, UNC team is ten times more aggressive or ten times better than every team we've played so far this year. Like that's that's just not, you know, it's 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 nonsensical. It doesn't, it just doesn't pass. It's not up to snuff. It just isn't. It isn't. And again, I struggle with coming to terms with one team shooting three times more free throws than the other. It's just it. You know, people are talking about, well, there have been plenty of times where uh, teams have shot in 39 free throws against Coach Keys. And in what of those games? Was it a conference game and his team had one-third of the free throws of the other? Again, I'm fine with refs. The the game with Duke and Miami, they let those young men play. Those boys were going at it. It was a tough, physical game. Guys were hitting the ground hard, not getting calls and all that. But that went both ways. There was no, like, you couldn't look at that game and say, Oh man, the way that this is being officiated definitely is leaning towards one side or the other. You couldn't say the same thing for this game. And it's it's again very embarrassing on the ACC's behalf. Very embarrassing. And I'm gonna tell you this. I know that Keats is a better man than me. I know that these players are better men than me, but you put one of mine out on the stretcher, and I'm just gonna tell you right now, 12 fouls, or I'm sorry, uh 39 foul shots. Sure, y'all may not shoot that much again, but don't worry. Two of yours may get a treatment that you gave to one of mine. That's just that's just the way I was raised, which may not be right. You know, it may not be productive for society and all that. But again, it's 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 embarrassing to see that there was even a an an argument or a a confusion or fans booing at that point when again, forcible contact to the head and neck area of a player Player goes out on stretcher. I don't, that shouldn't even been a, oh, we got to go to review this. That should have been, hey, yeah, uh, Leaky, go ahead and hit the showers, buddy. We'll yeah, see I that. mean, there was, there was a lot of pearl clutching uh, on both sides of the equation. Um, I mean, any replay you really watch, Leaky did blast Baby T in the face. He did do it. Uh, did he do it on purpose? I don't think so, personally. But, right. I mean, you look at it, it is a flagrant foul. Like, sorry, it – by definition, that is a flagrant foul. Um, but I just a lot of a lot of crying about it from both fan bases on just everything from the foul itself to the ejection to Baycott wearing the sunglasses in the locker room, which I do think he was a clown for that. I'll, I'll be very direct on that one. Um, but just I don't know, just just not not how you would like that basketball game to, to be played. Uh, you want it to be coming down to the wire, the teams are going at it, they're letting the boys play. Uh, you don't want it to ever get out of hand like that because you do get people crying about it until the next time we play them and just the whole nine yards. But frustrating to say the least, for sure. And and again, I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Listen, being from Detroit, the, the teams that we had that were great were known as the what Pistons? The bad boys. And you know why they were known as the bad boys? Because, again, you come through that lane, and we had to deal with a guy from UNC ourselves, some bald guy with a gambling problem. And you know what they did when he came through that lane? Oh, it was time. It was time. You knew. And, by the way, let me read to you word by word from the NCAA website on what a flagrant two foul is, okay? So, here it goes. A flagrant two foul is two shots and the ball and the players ejected from the game. The rule committee added more words to describe this scenario, including brutal, harsh, cruel, or dangerous, or punishing. I I don't know 
in what world you look at that play and don't say, oh, this play was very dangerous. You have somebody in the air being hit. And again, I'm not here to judge Leaky Black's heart or say what his intention was. I am solely talking about impact because it's not, we all know in the real world, intention and impact don't always line up correctly. Your intention could be, hey, I'm going for the ball. I'm trying to get a block. It's not about whether or not you're going for the ball. That is not the only criteria as to whether or not a player is a flagrant too. So, you know, a a classless fan base will do what they do. And, and you know, um, it, it was I, – I was not in attendance in person. And so I will hope that it was a very small minority of the crowd that was um, upset at the ejection because, again – there was somebody carried out on a stretcher here and forcible contact today. I don't think that that should have been much of a question, but I digress. We are going to move on now and we are going to talk about the amazing win that our women had in Louisville. But before we do, I've got to tell you about LinkedIn jobs. Folks, LinkedIn jobs is the place that you need to be as a small business owner or hiring manager. You know that success in this year all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. And that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates with open with open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your post and your company and their 875 million member profiles to put your job post in front of the most qualified candidates. So please make sure that the right team members get to your spot by using LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So now we switch gears a little bit and talk about the win that our women had. And it was a much needed win. I mean, let's just be very honest here, right? We were in a little bit of a tailspin. Um, and it, it it seems as though we're moving in the right direction, getting some momentum in the right way, winning two straight games uh, here against Miami on Thursday and, and Louisville on Sunday. And this game against Louisville was so impressive to me because of the way that that fourth quarter went right we walk into the fourth quarter with a a slight lead and don't get me wrong i don't want to give too much credit here we're a win is a win it's our baby that's that's ultimately what we look at here but there were some shots that you know louisville had good looks and they just missed but also there was a lot of that that was the defensive intensity of NC State, holding Louisville to four points in the entire fourth quarter with only, I want to say, one field goal in the fourth quarter entirely. So, yeah, so that that was a just a heck of a job um, by the women on that on that front. Anything that, that you noticed or that stuck out to you from the game? Yeah, I mean, the, the Miami win on Thursday and then this Louisville win on the road. Two big wins uh, after the women, unfortunately, also had a disappointing loss in Chapel Hill. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, two two great wins, two great team wins. Uh, we beat, beat Miami without Jada Boyd, which is key. Uh, she had a she had a nagging ankle injury, I believe, it was in the, uh, the UNC game last weekend. Yeah. So to get her back for the Louisville game, another great team win. The, the scoring was evenly distributed, uh, something we've kind of seen off and on throughout the year. Uh, I mean, we've seen we can't really rely on – 
one girl or two girls to kind of carry the team. It needs to be a team effort. Uh, I, I believe I believe I, I would assume Westmore's been preaching that with the uh, the struggles they've had of late. But um, yeah, to get Jada Boyd back, she she puts on for Louisville. I'll tell you what, I believe she's like 15 and eight averaging when she goes out that way. So uh, shout out to her for having a great game. But yeah, that uh, that defensive putting the clamps on them in the fourth quarter was enormous. Uh, to hold them to only four points is kind of crazy if you say it out loud. Uh, to go one for sixteen, like you said, some of the some of them just missed the shots. We'll take that. But uh, a lot of lot, the the effort, the intensity on defense in that fourth quarter really uh, brought home the win for us. So those are two big wins heading into a very tough game. We got. Uh, the Notre Dame women coming in uh, to Reynolds. Uh, I believe it's this coming weekend. They have like the whole week off mm-hmm. uh, to prepare for Notre Dame. They are big, bad Notre Dame. So we got to make sure uh, we're firing all cylinders when they come into town. And I'm going to tell you this, the Diamond Johnson was a, all right. So of the players who had double digits, there was Jada Boyd with 15. Uh, there was Sanai Rivers with 12. There was Diamond Johnson with 12. And there was Mimi Collins with 11. But, in terms of doing other things, right? Diamond Johnson, 12.6 assists, five rebounds. Sanaya Rivers, 12 points, five assists, three rebounds. And there's another thing that I want to point out here. Sanaya Rivers and the job that she did on Van Lith was crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, that was like, yeah, again, not saying that this was all her and it had nothing to do with Van Lith having an off night, but also – she was kind of pressured into that off night. Did she miss some shots that she normally hits? Absolutely. But that's what happens when a good defender doesn't allow you to get the easy buckets just to see the ball go through the hoop. When you can't get those types of, of, of points, it all of a sudden gets really tough to see anything, including your regular stuff, fall. Because, again, it's it's nothing you can do. You're struggling in that way. And, again, defensively. What she did, the job that she did on on Van Lith, to say that it was impressive is an understatement. And I think that Sanaya Rivers is one year away from like very serious. Hey, this this is one of, if not the best player in the nation conversations. If she continues on this trajectory that she is on this year, she could get there for sure. She's really shown some sparks of intense basketball being played this year. Very excited to have her on board. Um, but yeah, as, as she continues to make strides, definitely a name to look for this coming season. Uh, you got the very talented freshman coming in to kind of compliment her as well, but very impressed with what I've seen from Sanaya. And to be clear, Haley Van Lith, she is that deal. She is, she's the real deal. And so mm-hmm. to be able to rattle her cage in Louisville is no, uh, no small feat. So definitely big shout out to Sanaya, big win on the road and, uh, definitely hope they can keep this momentum going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as she gets, number one, better with her shot selection, better with her playmaking and better with her overall shot making from deep. I think that those are the three big keys that I see in terms of like what takes her game to the next level. And I I would probably say the fourth is being locked in all the time because sometimes defensively it doesn't look like she's as interested and as invested as she was um, this Sunday. But to me, those are those are the big things that like you know, there are moments where her three ball is falling, and then there are moments where it's just like she cannot throw a rock in the ocean. Like to start off the season, it was a bit of a struggle. It was one of those moments where you're looking up and you're like, hmm, okay, the shooting is is very tough. 
And then you drop a game like Iowa, where you go nine for 11, three for four from deep. You do a great job, despite what the numbers say. You did a great job on uh, what is that young woman's name from Iowa? The one who scores as much as you want. Is it Caitlin Clark? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did a great job on her. And again, she got hers, but it was on a lot of shots. And a lot of those shots that she hit, you live with her hitting. If she's hitting from the logo, hey, I will let you shoot from the logo every day and twice on the range. There's not much you can do there. That's what I'm saying. If you're making it from the curry range, my defense is not going to extend out there. I promise you, take that shot. Have it. Because the best shooters in the game shoot, what, 35% from there, if that? Like, I'm okay with you shooting that shot. So I think that she's in that category. And another thing is Diamond Johnson's intentionality about her playmaking is has been huge for NC State this year. You can tell that she's a, a scorer by default, and, and that's kind of where she's most comfortable. But she has put in a tremendous amount of effort. And you can kind of see the wheels turning in her brain, looking for playmaking opportunities and looking for her teammates on the court. She's she's not quite that player that is like so good at playmaking. It looks like it comes natural. And it but you can tell that she's like very intentional about where are my teammates, where's the spots they like, how can I get them the ball? Yeah, she's definitely improving as the season's going on. You can tell if you go back and just watch clips from early in the season to now, I mean it happens for everybody, but she's really as she's uh, getting into these bigger games, she's taken her game to the next level. And mm-hmm. uh, getting deep into ACC play, you, you're going to play the Notre Dames. You're going to have to play Chapel Hill again. You're going to have to play Duke again. She's going to be the half. She's going to have to be the one that's taking us home for the wins. She's got to be that engine that pushes us up the hill and then back down the hill on the other side. So, mm-hmm. shout out to uh, shout out to Diamond. Hopefully, we keep this train rolling. Hopefully, Jada Boyd st- stays healthy. Uh, we, Jakia Brown Turner, she's picked it up a little bit. We've been kind mm-hmm. of critical of her the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's put together a couple of nice performances. So, uh, I mean, as bad as things did look a couple of weeks ago, could be looking a whole lot better now. You know, the seniors must have heard me talking when I said, Hey, these the seniors, I'm looking at you. I need better. They, y'all need to step up and do more because these seniors really have in these past few games where they've been healthy, they really have done more, right? If you talk about Jakia Brown Turner, um, her game at at um, UNC was, you know, one of her best of the season. And you talk about um, you talk about what she's done lately. Although it hasn't been there in terms of her scoring, she's definitely been better as a rebounder. She's definitely been doing good things in terms of uh, not getting into foul trouble while still playing good, intense defense. I again, it there is something there to be like if you expect her to to take a step up in. In scoring at times, but even still, sometimes you just got to kind of accept players as who they are and say, hey, this is what it is. Okay, great. Where do we now get from other places if we accept that, you know, this isn't a player that we're going to count on to give us 15 a night. This isn't a player we're going to count on to give us, you know, 12 a night. This is a player that they'll have their nights where they go off for 15, 20, 17, whatever the case may be. But I just don't want to say I'm going to count on that in terms of um, all season, as she's averaging 8.8, basically nine a game. Yeah. And so, like I mentioned, the the team basketball, that's, I mean, no kidding, but that's where they really seem to mesh well in these last couple games. It's distributing team defense, not individual defense, team rebounding, boxing out, finding the girl in transition. It's, It's starting to slowly look like it's coming together now, just 
I guess a rough stretch in the in the season happens every now and then. But uh, credit to Westmore for kind of writing this writing the ship again. Hopefully, um, got a whole week to prepare for Notre Dame. They are uh, they're something. They're uh, and they're going to come in hungry after that uh, that upset win we we pulled on them in the tournament last year. They they had us beat and we came back and finished them off. So they're going to come in looking for revenge. Uh, hopefully, we serve it to them cold because they ain't getting a. Absolutely. And this and again, this is a team that we've had a lot of injury problems. We've had a ton of players go down here and there and and all that good stuff. But it seems like we're getting healthy. We're getting players back at the right time. Um, Even still, the the health situation now is like what's going on, what's happening in terms of like river ball winning. Is Jada boy going to be on a big minutes restriction or what's going on there? But, you know, at the end of the day, you're just hoping that this team can get healthy and get right at the right time because at the end of the day, that's what matters more than anything else. Like it's not about, you know, Hey, we can dominate at all times and everything goes right. And everything goes in the past. We have been extremely fortunate to not have any type of, uh, any type of injury problems or whatnot. That just hasn't been the case lately. And that's just, you know, that's, that's just it. You know what I mean? We've had injuries to Jessica Timmons. We've had injuries to, like I just said, River Baldwin, Diamond Johnson, Jada Boyd. Like, we've had a lot of injuries this year, but this team just keeps fighting. They keep battling. And um, at the end of the day, one of the things that happens with those injuries, other players have to step up. Other players have to kind of pick up the slack in, the, in, in certain ways, which is always good in terms of having those players ready to step into bigger roles and big moments when it happens. Like, yes, in the moment, it's not fun to watch us kind of shrink under under the lights like we did against UNC. That's not fun. But these players come out on the back end better for it. So Yeah, that uh that Miami game that we pulled out without Jada Boyd, that that had to be kind of a light bulb moment saying, like, all right, our arguably our best player is not here. Who's it gonna be? Who's gonna pull this out? How are we gonna get this done? And uh for her to not be there and for us to kind of I didn't really feel like we ever had it out of control in that game. It felt like we kind of dominated from start to finish. Uh, great mm-hmm. win. Great team win. Need a lot more of those moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back to land this thing after a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back. So all in all, Grayson, what do you walk away from that, um, from the men's team UNC game thinking about this team? Because there was a lot of highs and a lot of people who were excited and riding the train as far as on the four-game winning streak. Does this loss against UNC, does this do anything for you to dampen the excitement, or do you feel any differently about this team? As much as it absolutely kills my soul to lose the game to Chapel Hill, nah, I'm on to the next game. I'm ready for Notre Dame tomorrow night. Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, it sucks to lose in Chapel Hill. It does because they're going to jump up and down and say, ha ha, I can't beat us. Never been able to beat us, yada, 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 whatever. Uh, we'll see him again down the road, but our focus needs to be on Notre Dame coming in uh, to Raleigh tomorrow night. No disrespect. Notre Dame's not any good. We need to take it to him. It needs to be early bird gets the worm right out the gate. Take it to him. Uh, obviously, Terquavion's day to day, so we don't know if he'll play or not. To be completely honest with you, I don't think we're going to need him to beat Notre Dame. Uh, now, hopefully you want him back sooner rather than later. But um, I don't really take a whole lot from this loss. I saw a lot to like. Uh, unfortunately, just got out of hand in ways not necessarily under our control. But 
Just keep it moving. Just keep it moving. I'm going to say this. This team is tasked with the task of a mature team. By that, I mean do not let one loss turn into two. Yep. Don't let a loss to your rival that is disappointing turn into another loss here because you're not preparing the right way. Your mind is on other things. You're thinking about, man, what would have happened? If, wait, what would? Why did this happen? Don't even do it. Don't. That has no bearing on this game. That has no bearing on the rest of this season going forward. At the end of the day, show up, show out, get your win, and be on to the next game. Because, again, like you said, there's a lot of season left. And, yes, while every every expert who does the whole bracketology thing and all that has us firmly in the tournament right now, sure. But that does not mean that this is over that this season is done, that we can pack it in and pack it up because we have multiple games, multiple opportunities to play ourselves into better seeding. And we have multiple opportunities to honestly knock ourselves out of the conversation. A loss to Notre Dame does a, a good job to help you get there. A loss to Georgia Tech, a loss to Syracuse would all go strides in saying, oh no, that team has too many bad losses. They can't get in. And we know we are NC State. If you give them a reason why you cannot get in, they will find it and they will say, oh, yeah, you see, oh, darn it. We wanted to let you guys in. It's a movie we have seen way too many times. Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of net and quadrants, losing at UNC is technically a good loss. I mean, I think all losses sting. So. Right. You know, that is what it is. But in terms of our resume, losing at Chapel Hill, it doesn't hurt us. Uh, losing against Notre Dame will hurt us. So we need mm -hmm. to make sure we're ready to attack. We cannot let, like you said, don't let one turn into two and so on and so forth. Uh, shake it. Keep it moving. A lot more basketball to play. A lot more big games left to play. Uh, and if you want to take out the frustration on the light blue color, we'll see them again down the road. So. A lot, of, a lot of basketball left. Not worried about this one. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that the women's team can parlay this uh, parlay this energy that they have going, parlay these wins that they have going into a huge upset over Notre Dame with them uh, coming in. Because, again, I this women's team is not what we've seen in the past, but this is a season like we haven't seen before in terms of a lot of very key pieces getting hurt and all that and, and also having a, a team that isn't super senior laden with players who are, who have been in the program for a while, right? Like there's a lot of players playing very big minutes that have not done so in this program or even at all in terms of their previous programs as well. So, you know, this is, this is a different season. Um, the women deserve our support as well as the men because, again, both teams are doing very good things um, at this point in the season. And, and so – you know, Wolfpack Nation, I don't even got to tell y'all to show up, show up and show off for both of these teams because y'all are the most passionate fan base I've ever been around, I've ever seen firsthand. And I know y'all are going to do that anyway. I know the PNC is going to be packed out for Notre Dame and every other team to come see us. So just keep doing what you're doing. Thank y'all so very much for coming out and listening to this episode. We appreciate y'all. Y'all make this show what it is. Peace and love, y'all. And as always, go Pack. Go Pack. You are Locked On Wolfpack, 
your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 